This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything Milton Keynes-Dons. Well, 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 a, a jam-packed week. Um, so plenty to talk about. Obviously, two games have played, one win just about, uh, and one defeat, which, well, I mean, I think we played pretty fucking shit, but we'll get into that in a bit. Um, obviously, a fans forum as well, which has gone down fantastically. And um, as Joe would all know about a parking system that has a... Uh, gone down really well also. So, Joe, it's been a, been a pretty simple week, to be honest, hasn't it? Nothing happened, really. I mean, for MK Dons, this is a pretty normal week, in all honesty. Um, yeah, I mean, do you want to start on the forum? <laughs> or just, we have uh, to? just the general, general vibes coming out of the club? Um, I mean, I've heard a voice message um, of a, a clip of a bit of the forum um, from, from a friend. And, I mean, Pete's stock answer seemed to be, we'll find me a billionaire. And to me, I understand what he's saying. You know, ultimately, he has underwritten the losses of the club. No problems with that. Um, what I do have a problem with is the failure to... I mean, he has admitted that things, you know, have, could have been done better, but I don't think we've seen much evidence that things are being changed for things to improve. Um, the corporate structure of the company since Andy Cullen has left was two people in Liam Sweeten and... Simon Crampton were promoted to be directors, um, performance and operations director is uh, Simon Crampton, um, sporting director is Liam Sweeten, and then Andy Gibb as well, I believe, is a commercial director, or he's sort of, you know, more the events side and the operations side of things. And I think it's fair to say on the pitch, it's been, you know, we had a couple of years on the up, then we've had a couple of years where we've kind of, well, then we had last year, which was just didn't go down well at all. Um, and then, you know, hopefully, you know, the signs are we've, we're looking okay so far this season, I think. Um, but yeah, off the pitch, everything has been in absolute shambles um, since Andy Cullen's left pretty much. You know, things we've just, um, we've had ticketing issues, we've had club shop issues, we've had kit issues, um, we've had, and then this late in, latest fiasco is the car parking, which is now being operated by a new company, uh, MK1 Parking. Uh, that company was set up seven months ago and is owned by Pete Winkleman. Um, I think ultimately it's owned by the Stadium MK Group. But again, I just, I, I, and I don't know this for sure, so I'm not throwing around false accusations. This is just simply what you can read online on Companies House. But, you know, 
I, my presumption was that parking for Milton Keynes Dons games would go to Milton Keynes Dons, and I may be wrong, but it appears that that money is now going to a com- different company owned by Pete Winkleman. Um, so I, I just question some things lately. Um, look, I'm sure the intentions aren't bad, but I mean, last season we also paid, we made 3.6 million in profit and paid a million to one of Pete Winkleman's com- other companies. So that was a million taken out of the business. Um, admittedly, it was to service debt from the football club to his company. Not disputing that at all. But I think that the interest, perhaps, or the levels of investment that previously were into the football club, I don't think we're seeing that anymore. And I think we're seeing, you know, I don't. One thing I will credit Pete with is not, he's not, he's being, you know, things are being cut back. So. You know, you'd like to think that there's not an issue of us, you know, doing a bury or something, you know, a south end and not failing to pay bills and things like that. So that's um, that's one thing. But it's um, it just seems that things are going quite stagnant and, you know, people leaving behind the scenes left, right and centre. So um, not a happy place at the moment off the field, I think. Yeah, I think to lead off of your points, Joe, I think the main thing that I think we reiterated towards the start of well, the end of last season and towards the start of this season, the last fans form and the fact that I think Winkleman's well, well, obviously I can only speak from my personal point of view here and obviously I'm not quoting anyone else's thoughts part of my own, but I think Winkleman's love for the club has just gone. Um, I think he treats it solely as a business now when he, he can say what you like in terms of to the fans and, and the, and the press and the media, whatever, but, you know, look at the actions that has happened in the last sort of 12, 24 months in terms of, as you mentioned, players, how you treat people in general. Obviously, behind the scenes, we've seen commercial directors leave recently for Ipswich. We've seen other people in the club leave as well on their own accord. It's it's just, yeah, it's not a happy place at all. And I, I've listened, I listened to that voice note as well. And, you know, you can hear the, you know, just, ultimately it is, it is the passion and the love for the club um from the one person did ask that question and Pete's response is just just trying to deflect blame and I just mentioned this bog standard answer. Almost dismissive. Yeah, exactly dismissive. This well, the guard is the guard completely ignoring the issue and just trying to get through it basically. And you know, I mean I I just have a I just kind of think if I'm going around Alexander in this situation, I'm trying to meet some of the fans and get a relationship with the football club in my first couple of weeks here. And all he's really had is just blocks from trying to get transfers in, which we'll talk about later. Blocks from trying to connect with the fans because of all this, and then obviously having issues about the club in general being run. It's just it can be so distracting, and I don't know how you can possibly get a football team going and focus on that with all this behind the scenes rubbish going on. So. The fact that we've got six points in three games is a bit of a miracle, to be honest. But hopefully, all we can do is hope that it changes in the future and we can move forward. But with Pete Winkleman at the football club, I don't see how you can do that. I know we had a question about the Red Bull stuff. And yeah, of course you would take it. Like, I don't think Pete... I think Pete would have taken it if you wafer didn't step in. Um, Absolutely. I think, you know, the whole like billionaire comments that he makes is well ridiculous. That kind of... That's the one time he's actually had the offer for him. He, obviously, he didn't. He, could, he couldn't take it basically, or he had a choice or not. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it's a weird situation. It's not particularly one I enjoy. Um, and I think the the home support for the first league game of the season kind of says it all, really. 
Yeah, and I think as well, the billionaire comments. Um, I don't know many billionaires that own EFL clubs. Exactly. Uh, but what I do know is a lot of local businessmen, and even if you want to say someone like uh, Plymouth, you know, Plymouth have just, what what they've done is they've galvanised the area and they've pumped money into investments but in the community, things like that. You know, think of what we could do if we invested so much in the infrastructure. And we look, the stadium is amazing. The facilities there are, you know, Premier League level. However, the training ground... I know we've probably spent money on the pitches there, etc. At Fairfield Sports Hub, is it? Yeah. I think that's where we are now. Or Woofton, I'm not not 100% sure. And I know we spent loads of money there, but wouldn't it be much better to spend something on something we actually own? In this, And, you know, I thought that sort of the Delhi Alley money was initially for the training ground. Then we get over £5 million in player sales, £3.6 million in an accounting profit. And all of a sudden that money's you know, a million of that's gone out of the club. So it's like, where, where, where's this training ground money? Has it been ring posted or, you know, uh, it's just, um, yeah, I, you just kind of question where the investment, where the investments are going. Um, because I think so many other teams, they invest in, you know, things like the academy that all they invest in, you know, you look at a team like Exeter, Exeter supporter owned. They don't have a billionaire owner and they're currently a league above us. So, you know, I think there's ways of working smarter, better, investing in the people around you, creating a happy environment where you're not losing prominent members of staff. I think our, our marketing head of marketing left last season as well. Um, you know, I saw that on LinkedIn. So it's just, yeah, I, I, it's uh, there's an exodus on and off the pitch as such. Um, and I just hope we can keep hold of what good people we do have because there is still lots of good people there and there is lots of good that the club do do. But ultimately, the stuff that's, uh, you know, the stuff off the pitch can affect the stuff on the pitch. And I just really hope that they both, do, you know, uh, the perfect storm doesn't happen because it almost seems like that was what did happen last season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and all we can do is hope that it it changes to the better. Um, it's hard to see right now. And I'm sure a lot of us, uh, as you listeners and a lot of people that for part, you know, obviously are, as me and Joe, most struggle to see that at some points, but you know, all we can do is have a bit of hope and and hope that it does. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Okay, Joe, two games this week. Um two uh, obviously different results. Um interesting performances for sure. We'll start with Tranmere. Um of course Don's opening league game of the season. Started off pretty well actually. Of course, you know, started on the front foot like we did against Wrexham, got an early free kick. Um, my wife's a really clever finish to make it 1-0 from about seven minutes in, something like that. So really positive start, I thought. And the first half in general, actually played really, really well. It dominated the majority of the ball, created the majority of the chances, um, and was in a pretty good control of the game. Like, I don't think we were majorly convincing, but you know we did enough to you know, take the lead into half-time, and I was pretty pleased with the performance overall. Come out second half, and we really struggled to progress the football. Um, and it's almost like the game just flipped on its head in many ways. Like you expect improvement from Tranmere, but I think the it was a mix of them improving, but also Don's dropping off completely. And you know, of course, they have plenty of chances. Of course, the header, the free header in the box, the one that hit the bar, and I don't know how they didn't score at least one goal and get something from the game. It's pretty miraculous, to be honest. And you could really say Don's got away with one there. And I think that's sort of summarised in the three word reviews. You know. Uh, John Samuel mentions how we were very, very lucky. Um, I mean, Jamie 
on the flip side, I said the look's finally changing, but you know, a, a lot of those comments regarding that. And but ultimately, you know, it's it's as um, Jay says, three more points. But and we were top of the league at the time, of course. But I mean, it was it was a far convincing performance. I was the year at the stadium. How did you find it? I kind of think this game was again similar to the Wickham game, in that we had a decent first half. Um, but second half, you know, I think Graham Alexander turned around and thought, I can't really do much here. Um, look, you turn around looking at the bench, that is, not just, you know, <laughs> thinking about life. Um, uh, but I think, you know, you look at, and this is, uh, we'll, we'll come on to it more for the um, Crawley game, because th- he did do something that I think did work um, and helped to rest the slide. But I think in that tram mid-game, I do think there was an element of we did have a lead that we wanted to hold on to. We haven't kept a clean sheet yet that's yet this season. Um all pre-season. So I think there was an element of the players just desperately wanting to do that. Um, but I would say as well, yeah, Tranmere were good. Um, they were, yeah, they had that. Again, it's crosses really, mainly. Um, but, you know, they had, I think they had two good headers and then that one just golden chance where it, yeah. where the guy hit the crossbar from about eight yards out. Um, but yeah, the one worrying thing for me was that there was just no threat from us in the second half. Even with them pushing so many men forward, we had, you know, the main issue, which was similar to I think the second half at Wickham, and definitely the second half at Crawley until we made a certain change, which we'll talk about um, in the Crawley section. But um, was the fact that in that midfield you've got Ethan Robson, MJ Williams, and Alex Gilby. Robson is a very good athlete. End of sentence. Um, you know he, that on the ball. To be honest, he's he's not good, or not been very good anyway. Um, Gilby, he again, you know, he will run himself into the ground. However, you know the cute quality to sometimes slow the game down, control the tempo isn't there. And then also on the flip side of that. If you're being penned in and everyone's back, but then you've got one or two strikers up top and you want to relieve some pressure, Mo Issa isn't going to be able to hold that ball up. And this is Mo Issa that has scored three goals in three games. Mo Issa is not the issue here, okay? And, I, and neither is Jonathan Lecco for that matter. Um, because, again, and again, this is merged to the Crawley um, analysis as well. When we got them the ball, they looked dangerous and they were a threat to the opposition. The problem is getting the ball to them. Now, the two solutions are you get someone in midfield who can carry the ball, i.e. we saw glimpses of that with Paris Magoma, or you can get someone that can pass the ball forward or just slow the game down. And, you know, I'm not necessarily saying um, we need to stop, you know, playing it long, but if we are going to play it long, you know, get get someone who could hold the ball up and play off them. You know, like we had a Ch- Chucks back in the day and you had Agard playing off Chucks, you know. I think, you know, obviously Agard scored a lot of goals in the last League Two campaign. He was playing off Chucks, you know, big man, little man sort of thing. Um, and then you've also got, um, and then, you know, maybe that Josh McEachran type player in the middle who can just, just calm things down, actually retain possession for three or four passes, and then look to play, just relieves the pressure on the back line a bit. Because at the moment, the back line, clearing the ball, but, you know, poor Mo and John, 
let go, they're not able to get the ball because they're just not, you know, they're they're not those sorts of players that can't that can deal with those long balls. And that's not a slight against them, because what they are is good, tricky players who run with the ball, who like to run in behind. They're not strikers necessarily who you would particularly associate with, you know, running the channels. But you know, both of them are putting shifts in, so I'm not going to criticise them for their work, lack of effort. It's just simply we're not playing to their strengths. But I think a big man who they play off, oh my word, that could really work well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, without dogging out one particular player, Ethan Robson's passing accuracy was was pretty abysmal, sixty three percent for a centre midfielder. Um, in a in a Don's team that you know you, you do need that I think it's almost like Robson and Gilby are a bit too alike. Um you don't you almost maybe view Robson as a as kind of the deputy to to Gilby in a fair midfield. Um and yeah as you mentioned obviously there was a change made at Crawley which we'll get on to later which you know could, could make things interesting that midfield free moving forward. Um yeah it was a a game which I felt Don, yeah, again, set piece wise, obviously doing well in terms of attacking set pieces. I think defending set pieces, quite a bit of work to do. Um, I think that back three are definitely still gelling for sure. I think we saw a bit of a back four in pre season and we didn't really get easy to back three until the two home games. Obviously, they could have worked behind it. I worked on it behind closed doors, but ultimately, that back three of was Tucker and Smith. Um, definitely some gelling there to do. And I think with. And if all three have not been the biggest communicators, maybe outside of Smith, I mean, that's a bit, bit of an issue, but they rode their luck just about enough in this game to get through it. But um, Crawley, which I think we'll get on to now, it's, they didn't really do much of that. Joe, anything more from Tranmere before we move on to uh, a lovely trip to to Crawley on Tuesday? No, I think with Tranmere, one thing I would note is we did dig in. And we side show, showed a side to our game that we haven't in recent times. And to be quite to be fair, we gave away one or two big big chances. But on the whole, considering the amount of pressure we were under, I wasn't particularly like worried. I don't know about you, Liam. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're going to sit back as a team, you're always going to invite pressure, right? And I think we saw that from the chances of like the Jennings chance. I think Hawks had a few as well, but. You know, it's. I think it was just part and parcel of the game. I think Alexander realised very quickly that we weren't progressing the ball too much. And someone to set up shop, and we just about survived. Yeah, and I think when you've got players, so um, I mean, Cameron Norman got man of the match, and I think that's more because of his sort of you know eye catching runs forward. But for me, there was one person who should have got man of the match, and that was I am Isle uh, MJ Williams. He won nine out of it. Uh, Sorry, eleven out of his thirteen duels. He um, he got one five out of six tackles, cleared it three times, headed clear three times, made two interceptions and fifteen recoveries. Um, and I think he was just one of them players that was just it was like a magnet was in his foot. And the well, if the ball was metal, you know, <laughs> that, obviously, <laughs> but he, everything just seemed to be going to him. And then I'd also like to mention Jack Tucker as well. 10 clearances, um, won four out of four ground duels. Because there was actually times where, you know, he'd be, we'd be caught out a little bit and there'd be like a one-on-one where the winger was, or winger or striker was having a run. And every time Tucker was so calm and ushed them out of play or just took it off their toe. 
Um, and he won his he won his aerials as well, five out of six. Didn't commit a foul, so he wasn't giving away free kicks in bad places or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought Jack Tucker and uh, MJ Williams were absolutely fantastic. And then obviously Craig uh, McGillivray, he, he kept a clean sheet, made three saves. So got yeah, a book well in. Well done to him. And, yeah. Oh yes, yes that was that. Uh, at that point it was two out of two um, for bookings for time wasting. So uh, <laughs> I thought he got he was quite sharpish as well because. Okay, I understand this whole new directive. Fine. However, you know, it is still going to take him some time to get the ball. And, you know, I don't know, other than him sprinting, he was. I don't think he was that bad. And considering uh, Tom Davies, their centre-back, got away with three fouls before he was actually booked, you know, you know, let's, uh, I think there was a little bit of, uh, I don't know what the word is. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll leave it there I think yeah right I said positivity for one episode let's get on to Crawley um, Jesus Christ so yeah obviously head to Crawley top of the league I think yeah we were I think some of us were not concerned but obviously we've seen Crawley's opening results this season picked up four points against two promotion teams oh, sorry, playoff teams from last season so good start to the season obviously they had a lot of negativity and still do regarding their ownership um, but yeah, they're a team on. They're a team, you know, high in confidence. Going to their place was difficult. So, and the players knew that. So, you know, it's an interesting game. And I think for me, I, I was really just wasn't thrilled at all. Obviously, the first goal, um, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit of wing play that I think catches was out ultimately. He pushes up, gets quite out of position. Then Norman and Andrew Williams are sort of scrambling around trying to get take on. Or tackle the man, and it's a good finish to be fair to their wing back of theirs. And it's one nil. Um, I think the goal, our goal anyway, comes from what we've been doing all season really well. It's just basically catch people out on transitions and having that sort of front two slash three there ready to go. And whilst Mo gets a bit lucky with the keeper kind of letting it slip through his fingers, you know, it's it's still there and it's still the movement to um get that finish. And whilst I wasn't thrilled throughout all of the game with the decision making in the final third. Felt that was one where he got away with it, sure, but it was the right decision ultimately to win the back of the net. So that's one all. Um, so yeah, going into half time at one all, you know, it, you you I was I was satisfied enough. I mean, didn't have much of the ball, but we were ultimately going level into the break, so I can't complain too much. Second half, I mean, again, the set piece defending was absolutely abysmal for the whole game for me. Um, he had so many chances for set pieces. And again, it wasn't really, it's hard to fix something that you've had maybe in the Tranmere game, heading into Crawley, because really only have like one training session and that's going to be used on shape ultimately. So that, that problem came through. And again, was for that second goal. It's pretty much a carbon copy of the first goal, uh, not learning from their mistakes. And it's a good finish, to be fair, from their number nine. Um Obviously, Alexander tried to change things. I know Jay, I mentioned about the voice substitution shortly and how he felt about that. But I think the lineup was probably wrong. Um, of course, you don't want to change a winning team if you don't have to. But again, it wasn't probably the right game for Robson, particularly if we go down twice as well. You need that player who can maybe pass through the lines a bit more as opposed to the press. And all Robson was there really to do was just give away cheap fouls and give them more set pieces, which we couldn't defend in the first place. Um, didn't really feel we were playing as a team too much, um, which was, again, Placed in my comments in terms of maybe Lecco and I sometimes they're being a bit selfish and not playing each other in. And I get it, they're strikers, they want to score goals. And Mo already did get a goal in that game. But um, there were times where you'd like to think they could 
maybe change their um their sort of mantras there and yeah, the performance that direction for me, and I think no shots on target in the second half really highlights again the same point from Tranmere, the lack of progression in the midfield, and maybe why um, change to that midfield three is needed. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just to do do my brief sort of overview of the game. Um, well, my three word review was Warren O'Hu. Uh, I thought that was quite good, uh, uh, but I, I, I think who is this guy we're watching? Because it's not know. the guy we've been watching for the previous two years. Um, shite, to be quite honest with you, he was he was attracted to the ball like a dog, you know, uh, out on a walk and you know running after a tennis ball or something. And you know, I think it's even Norman or Tucker for the first goal. He, he's putting pressure on the man, so Woz comes steaming out to press the guy completely just their left wing back is in the middle of the box on the ball. Like their left wing back shouldn't be having this big open space. And like, if you do watch it back, especially the first goal, I cannot believe the room that this guy has to run into. And like, I know some people were even like thinking, Oh, offside. It didn't see any of the players appealing for it. Cause they knew that Warren just came steaming out when a player was already there from our side. And there was just left a huge space. And again, for, for Matt Gillivray, both finishes are people that have been played in through one-on-one pretty much. Yeah. So not no blame to him whatsoever. And both goals came in that O'Hora hole, essentially, because both goals were exactly... He pushed out and two players ran through the big gap that was left. Um, so yeah, really poor goal to give away. Um, in general play... Other than those two moments, you know, they were two big chances that we gave away. In those two moments, other than I think it was a set piece towards the end or a counter attack towards the end when we were pushing. I don't like Crawley had a lot of the ball, but they didn't necessarily create anything. Like Tranmere genuinely did create chances against us and they applied pressure. With Crawley, they didn't that much. Like they, 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 look, they had the ball, they got forward, they had a few chances from set pieces. But ultimately, I, I don't think that, that, you know, I think, yeah, their XG from set plays was uh, 0.32 and their XG from open play was 0.54. So, and but obviously the goals would have accounted for a lot of that. So in open play, we created pretty much just as much as them. But again, it was the set pieces and then also two good finishes, you must say, from them. Because on next year overall, it was 0.8 to 0.5. So there wasn't a lot in it necessarily. Um, but yeah, when when it comes to when we did get the ball, again, here, rise, here arises the same sort of issue. Now, what was a pleasant uh, surprise, there's actually, um, this is a bit, you know, a bit arty-farty, stats nerd stuff. But um, on the on the FOTMOB app, there's a momentum-like graph thing which basically shows when teams have possession or territory in an opposition path and putting pressure on. And essentially, as um, Dawson Devoy came on for Ethan Robson, um, Crawley, there was a big red spike at that point, which uh, was Crawley having high amounts of pressure. That immediately went down, and for the rest of the game, we dominated. And we, not you know, not in terms of clear-cut chances, but we had all the ball, we were pinning them back. We were retaining possession. And, you know, okay, the quality wasn't there in the final third. But, like, Lecco crafted a couple of chances for himself. 
Iser had a couple of shots. Um, you know, we were actually starting to, well, we weren't working the goalkeeper, that's for sure. But we were getting in those positions, but just the cross was was wrong. But I'm I'm not, I'd rather we got into those positions than not even in the first place. And and that was all down to Dawson Devoy. Just to put some stats into perspective, when Ethan Robson went off, he'd completed 10 passes at 56%. Um, Dawson Devoy came on, and he completed 16 out of his 19 passes at 84%. Um, Ethan Robson had, and bear in mind, Dawson Devoy's played half the amount of time with Ethan Robson and completed nearly, you know, nearly double the amount of passes. Passes into the final third. In the whole game, Ethan Robson could successfully pass the ball forward into the final third three times. Dawson Devoy did it four times in half the time. Um, he also made four recoveries, Dawson Devoy, and uh, and that was the same number as Ethan Robson. Uh, Ethan Robson won two out of his ten duels. So even you know, I think um, Toby Locke was talking about how Ethan Robson, you know, he's a really good presser, and in his press, and you know, the redemption of Ethan Robson. And I agree, he has been good from the last two games, but this game he was absolute dog shit. Yep. To be quite honest with you, and that whole pressing thing, which is. You know, the main reason that he's the main thing that he would bring to this team was not there. And and I'm you know, I'm not being harsh. Two two out of ten jewels won kind of tells you that. Like and you know, okay, you know, not everything you can read off a stat, but in my opinion, even when he did win the ball back or get the ball, we were wasteful with it. And what I saw when Dawson came on was what we you know, could the answer already be in the building? Um and, and that was in terms of Dawson Dawson actually got the ball. He slowed it down, and we were playing a little bit. And that was the first time in sort of two or three games we've actually played a little bit. And I don't think we've been necessarily awful, awful in any of the games. Because, if, funnily enough, Liam, if you were to ask me where do I think we'll finish after having seen us play four games now this season, I probably would still stick with like ninth or tenth. Yeah, I think it's pretty accurate, do you think? <laughs> because. After the first game, we're like, right, we're going to win the league. <laughs> and then and then after yesterday, it's like, oh, we're going down again. Or after Tuesday night, so it's, you know, oh, we're going down again. But I think, you know, the reality is somewhere in the middle. We are a team that has some very good players. But we, at the moment, it's a team with very good players, not a squad. And Graham has said pretty much the same thing in three, his last three interviews, you know, and he's today. He said something that I think went around a little bit. Um, he said uh, they're in the pipeline, but I don't know how long the pipe is. Um, so um, I think you know what that one. That is kind of reassuring that to me, though, in a way that we've not gone early because last season we went early on transfer. So that's what I will say on that for now, anyway. Um, but yeah, Dawson Devoy for me changed that game. And okay, we didn't score and we didn't create any more chances. But one, one, we stopped the Crawley pressure, and two, we actually managed to get keep the ball, get some possession, and create some not chances, but situations where possibly we should have done better in the final third. I thought Ash Hunter uh, was a little bit wasteful, um, <laughs> and uh, I thought it was good, nice seeing practicing his boxing at full time as well. <laughs> 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about... um... Talk transfers. Oh wait, there's been none. Um, yeah, I, I know Gilby and Alexander were uh, were well. They well, they were. I mean, Gilby heavily, heavily suggested that you know maybe there should be some recruitment coming into the squad. And and Alexander, um, on Tuesday and then again today in his press conference was chatting about recruitment and how eight to ten players are now on the shortlist and all this stuff and. Obviously, the last time we made was Ash Hunter just for the Wrexham game, and yeah, we see some fucking players in the building. Like I understand, um, listen, clubs are going to be awkward this time of year. Um, obviously they want to finalize the squads. There's injuries. There's more minutes being played. All of that, but come on, guys! Like seriously, seriously, get some players in the door. This is an absolute joke. I, I get, I get. You want to hold out for your number one options, of course. Um. But at this point, like, how many options can there actually be? I I can't think of that many. The fact that it's got eight, ten on the list is quite impressive, in my opinion. Yeah, I think um, you know, he, he went through the process, um, Graham, and he was basically saying, "Look, I'm." Graham said, "I'm very specific on the profile I want." Yeah. So to me, that is reassuring. The fact that the manager is and and look, we all know that despite certain rumours. The manager does have the final say on the players, <laughs> um, but it, it, I think the fact that you know, the, obviously the club of you know, so right budget, um, position, qualities in that position, and then you know, let's say twenty six to thirty one, um, played at the level before, um, good, you know, solid, reliable EFL player, robust, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right, that that's the profile. And so I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're in a position where I think we're just waiting for dominoes to fall into effect, essentially, because I think it, I'm going to, you know, what I'm saying now is basically acting in good faith that the club will get people, the right people in before the end of the window, because they're, they're putting a hell of a lot of pressure on themselves if they're not. Yeah. So I'm taking the club at face value here and I'm going to give them a chance. However, come... You know the third. Uh, when when does it show? Third September. First September. First of September. Come that time, if we've not addressed the glaring issues in our team, 
It's no, not even in the team, in the squad. Because yeah. again, I'm more than happy to go into, you know, if games are once every two weeks, I wouldn't care with <laughs> what we've got now. I would love it. that What we have now is fine if games are every two weeks, but they're not, you know. <laughs> and so we need some help. Uh, the players need some help, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, after after Tuesday night's performance, I'd be looking for a new centre starting centre back as well. I'll tell you that for free. He obviously doesn't want to be here. Mm, or yeah, if he does, well. he's got a funny way of showing it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think you know if you're gonna if you if you want in a move, and I'm not, I'm just putting words. I'm you know no nothing to suggest he is, but you're gonna have to play better than that if you want a league one or a championship move. Um, you're not doing yourself any favours, um, and I think. I think that, and there's been no suggestion to say that he does want to move. So, you know, I may be being harsh now, um, just just before any lawyers get onto me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we do need just some help. And it's I think it's fairly obvious to absolutely everyone what we need. A backup right back, maybe a starting centre back, because Tommy Smith, you can't rely on him to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Um, and then it's a striker in the midfielder. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, Graham wants two to three, so that's four on your list there. I'm assuming he's... Well, hoping... maybe one's alone. Maybe one's alone. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we can take a punt and the right-back will probably be alone if it is going to be a right-back. Because um, I doubt we'll get no right-back and it's going to compete against Cameron Norman. I mean, he'll, I think he'll be one of the shoe-ins to play every single week, really. So, yeah, I want a midfielder as well. Uh, are we going to get one? I would suggest not. Um obviously the two focuses are going to be right back and striker as we've, as we've said for weeks and I'm sure the club have been trying to focus on for weeks as well um, and yeah of course like as Graham said as, as potential outgoings as well um, whether that be certain centre-backs or other players in the squad so it's going, to, it's going to be potentially I think I think the two to three number is if ideally for Graham everyone he wants stays and nothing no, no like bullshit happens towards the end of the window but I reckon there'll be some high tier bullshit happening this window, one hundred percent. And some clubs are going to get screwed over. I think there's currently about five players in our squad right at the moment. Where if they would leave, or no, sorry, if they were to get injured, in if if so, we've got just this squad, or you know, if there's five players, I think in this team, like if they were to get injured, I would like be really scared because there's just you look around and who comes in. So, any centre-back. <laughs> because all of a sudden, you know, any centre-back gets injured and all of a sudden you're asking uh, Dan Harvey, who's okay there, to play left centre-back, or Cam Norman to play there. And then you lose all of his athletic ability going forward um, for a right-back, which, and then the right-wing-back who we, we've not actually seen play yet. Or yeah. you go, or you change system and go to a four at the back, which then means playing an extra attacker, of which are all children at the moment. If Mo Isa or John Lecco happens to get injured in the next three weeks, well, I tell you what, if they if if, if they have to get injured in the next three weeks and we've not signed anyone, it'll be bad. If we don't sign anyone and they get they get they got injured in six weeks. Wow! Yeah, good luck. Very, I'm not gonna. Very bad is all I'll say. Um, but like you know, John Lecco and Iceland, like we've got Nathan Holland, Dara Burns, Max Dean, Matt Dennis. Matt Dennis, by all accounts, miles off it. 
Yeah. And, and Graham said as as such, Max Dean, 18 years old, don't want to be relying on him. And, and you know, Dawson DeVoy is one of the ones where he's been on the fringes. And Graham Alexander said this in his interview, um, in his press conference for the um, upcoming game on Saturday, which I haven't even got onto yet, um, where he said how, you know, Dawson's one of them players that was on the fringes. I told him this is what he needs to do. He did it. A week later, he plays. Oh, and, you know, I've got to say he's got a fair shout of starting on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, without getting into cultures too much, I mean, their start of the season has been pretty poor and I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to be uh, challenging, challenging us going forward. So we're probably going to have to break them down and I'm sorry, but there's no way that Ethan Robson should be starting that game after this past two performances. Like, had a great first game of the season against Wrexham where we needed, we needed the press, but ultimately for this game, I know Toby Lock mentioned about how the press is always needed and he's, he's right to an extent, but... You've also got to be clever with the opposition you play it against. And really, Colchester, well, from what we've seen so far, the eye test, they're not gonna they're not gonna they shouldn't cause too many problems. Should be able to control the game. Should be a game where we create plenty of chances and get a few goals and come out of Essex with three points. Is it actually gonna happen? God knows. We just went to Crawley and not a disaster class, but not far off it in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's really positive that Graham is again holding players accountable for decisions, and not just being not just being pessimistic with them. Also, like obviously with Dawson's optimistic, told him what to do. He came in, did the job, and whilst he didn't get the result, it's a positive outcome out of it. So, uh, are, we, are you ready to move on to Colchester? Because I've got some groundbreaking news. Go for it. Go on. Right, I'm gonna give. Right, we're gonna play a game. Okay. Who started up front for Colchester United in their last league game? And um, I'll give you a profile of him. He is okay. 34 years old, been at the level before. I assumed he was way older. He's big and famous for scoring lots of penalties. Um, 34. He was at one club for he was at one club for ages and constantly linked away. I'm trying to think of a it London is. club, North London club. Oh, is it? Is it? Is it Barnet? He was a Barnet. Surely it's not John Akinde. He <laughs> started John Akinde. Jesus <laughs> Christ! I didn't realise that guy was still playing. He's um in his last. Oh God, let me get my calculator out. In his last, sorry for all of those that are listening. In his last 140 games, how many goals do you reckon he scored? I reckon. I mean, surely it's got to be in double digits at least. He's a striker, for God's sake. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 140 games. I'll go with 30. 19. Jesus. Bagsman, wow. get him in. Welcome back to League Two, John Akinde. Well, it appears he never left the Football League, apparently. But <laughs> I, was, I was unaware of this. Um, of his, what was it, uh, Five goals last season. How many were penalties? Oh, just the one penalty. So four non-penalty goals. <laughs> that surprised but, me. I mean, Joe, look at this Colchester team. I mean, I'm looking at the team that played against AFC at the weekend. It's not very inspiring, is it? It's a three-five-two. No, no. Big man up front. Rubbish. They do have a couple. Well, one thing I would say is there's some youth in there, and there's lots of young players that I think have a lot of potential. The main one being. Um, 
So you've got, I think, Joe Taylor, who's on loan from Luton. Yeah. Um, previously of, he's, he's actually previously of Peterborough's Academy. I think they actually signed him because he was playing men's football at 16, scoring all sorts for like Kings Lynn or something. Um, so that's an interesting one. Um, also, you've got Junior Shamado, who is, I think, is fairly well documented, pretty much one of the brightest prospects in the EFL. Uh, 19 years old, right wing back. So, uh, and lucky Daniel Harvey, you're going to have that to compete with all day. Um, I don't think Harvey's going to get much rest out of him. But, um, yeah, strong in the tackle. Um, he's he, he is very attacking. He will go forward. Um, um, also, they've got, they've got like just a few really young players in midfield. And so they will actually be looking to play football. Um, so I think, you know, because when they played against AFC Wimbledon, they had 54% of the ball. Um, but they only had nine shots um, and created zero big chances. AFC Wimbledon had um, 46% of possession, had 21 shots and created five big chances. So I think that it's fair to say that they're a team that are going to be, you know, they're going to pass the ball around, etc. But I think they've got a soft centre. And I think that, you know, if, we're going to, if they're going to play the ball around and come on to us, and, you know, they may switch tactics up a little bit. Who knows? Um, but if they want to try and play at us, one, I don't think they, they'll have particularly have the quality to completely cut through us. And two, my word, we do, we do have quality that can get them at the back. You know, they, they, they don't have... They've got um, not necessarily young backline, but a backline that, you know, not really of anyone of note. Thomas Dallison, signed from Crawley. He's made, you know, sort of 100 EFL appearances age 27. Um, Connor Hall, formerly of Port Vale and formerly then of Carragher. Again, an okay centre-back, but more of a, you know, sort of just a dominant centre-back. Um, Nico Lawrence, he's a youngster um, on loan from Southampton. So, yeah, he, he could be a little bright spark, but again, you know, he's he's still young. So, you know, youth is very much a factor in this Colchester team with a with a John Akinde sprinkled in there. Um I could that really took me off guard. Um but I think I think we should it should be well set for us to, you know, get back on track. Um keep our spot in the playoffs, no less as well. Because as we all know, the league position is very important at this time of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean let's not be on yeah, the bush. I, this Colchester I think team. We're well set. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like let's not be on the bush. This Colchester team, right? So they've played two league games a season. They had a postponed league game against Swindon because of Warlock's pitch, which is baffling in August. But anyway, we'll move on. Um, they they got unlucky against Cardiff, fell in the cup, but it's a cup game. So we all know about the fragile EFL Cup. It just springs a bunch of surprises. They they lost to Bradford, and as Joe mentioned, they wouldn't play them off the park in many ways. So it's a team that are currently bottom of the league. Does it really matter? No. But at the same time, Don should really be winning this game if they've got any ambitions of top seven this year for me. Yeah, I, th- I think that sums it up, really. Look, they're going to have a threat. Um, they're going to have, um, you know, as I said, there's plenty of youth. So there's going to be plenty of energy in there. But I think we saw last season, you know, when we played the likes of, I don't know, um, Sheffield Wednesday away, you had moments where, the youngsters are just like, wow, wow, where's this team been all season? So, you know, they, they're they going to have it in them. They're going to have, they're going to be all young with potential. But a lot of, I think one thing we've actually learned this season is how consistent like senior pros are. 
people oh, like yeah. Gilby and MJ Williams and Tommy Smith, they're just just solid every week. <laughs> and it's like, I've not, not really seen that in recent years, other than Lewington or, you know, but even someone like Dan Harvey, you know, he or, or even Warren O'Hora. Last season, Warren O'Hora, he, he had his ups and downs. And you think of him as one of the more senior lads and, and Warren O'Hora. But they're both 23, 24. You know, so it's, you know, actually having some like sort of experienced pros, it's a really valuable thing. Um, yeah, yeah and, and that's, of, you know, um, no, go on, go on, Karen. Oh, well, in terms of, you know, chances created in open play, they're, they're bottom of the league for XG in open play. Look, we're not hugely better, uh, but, but, you know, I think it just goes to show there that, you know, they're having a, a bit of a more difficult time about it. Uh, especially, you know, going forward. They've only scored one goal so far this season. Yeah, and, and on and on the whole um consistency with the more senior players, I think that's why we won't won't really see many changes to this team. You know, I think we probably will see one at the weekend and I think everyone can guess it'll be Devoy for Robson. But outside of that, I really can't see the team changing that much. A because of, as you mentioned, consistency, building that chemistry, but also because Alexander's got no one else to play, let's be real. Um but that that eleven with Devoy for Robson should be beating this culture team. With all due respect, like as you mentioned, with, with, with statistics and where they are in the league, but in general, in terms of quality on the pitch, and if they can, if they can actually execute a game plan and hit early, get a goal early, and just control the game, uh, we, we should have an enjoyable afternoon in Essex, despite being in Colchester. So we should be all good. Yeah, and and just to mention as well, they've only conceded. They've conceded only. Four teams have conceded a higher XG than them in terms. And look, it's early days. We're one of them, right? So that's from. <laughs> no, we've conceded a lot of shots, but not they've not been like high value shots. Oh, okay, fair enough. So our open play XG against only, is quite high. Yeah, yeah. Our our open play XG against is is only three point one. Oh, okay. Um, but you've got a few teams in the fours. Um, but in terms of shots, can shots, it's um, crew. Prove conceded the most shots in the league, and they currently sit in sixth place. So mm. there you go. There you go. It's early days, though. As I say, it is Absolutely. early days. Um, and yeah, hopefully Dons can in these early days, despite that, keep their as I mentioned their playoff place by getting a result against Colchester at the weekend. Well, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. Uh, apologies for being out on a Thursday. Uh, life got in the way on Wednesday, so we couldn't record, but. We're here weekly. We're commenting regardless of the situation at the club and hopefully it can get better moving forward. And we'll see you all in Colchester on Saturday. Until then, come on, you dons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered 
by fans.